Turn to 1 Samuel 17, 9. We're ending our series, Goliath Must Fall. And, um, you know, 1 Samuel, really, here, here's Goliath, and this is his heart. And he, he's calling out for, for Israel to send out a warrior. And he says, and if this war, warrior is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. And this is the Goliath factor right here. Goliath is here to strip you, to shame you, and to enslave you. These giants, that's all they want to do in your life. Whether it's the giant of fear, or, or the giant of anger, as we talked about last week, or a giant of relationship issues that you've been having, or, or a giant of, of, of financial issues, whatever it is, or what we're going to talk about today, a giant of addiction. It is here to enslave you and stop you from moving to where God wants you to be and who God wants you to be. Most giants in your life come in and they want to kill, steal, and destroy. And you've got to name your giant. All of us in some way, none of us are perfect in here. We all have a giant that needs to be named. What is your giant? And that's a very important part that you begin to name it because we all have one. And most giants in your life become a cycle of addiction. Whether you know it or not, it becomes something that you're, you know, you can be addicted to fear. That where you don't want to be addicted to fear, but you, you are. You can be addicted to fear that every moment, every moment of every day, every, something comes on the news. Or when you even wake up in the, in the morning because you have trained your mind in the cycle of addiction, which I'll talk about in a minute. That you have, it's been hardwired where you become even addicted to, the, to fear. See, where, where are you at in your life? Where is that slave? What are you a slave to? That giant. What giant in your life that you're a slave to? That cycle, that addiction, that maybe people. Maybe you're addicted to what people think about you. And practices that maybe don't work. You want to stop, but you can't. You know, there's, in, in America, there's over 20 million Americans over the age 12 that have an addiction to something. Not, not including cigarettes. I'm talking about alcohol or drugs. You know, 100 people die every day from drug overdoses. In fact, the rate has tripled in the last 20 years. Over 5 million emergency room visits were drug-related. 2.6 million people with, with addictions have a dependency on both a- alcohol and illicit drugs. 9.4 million people reported driving under the influence of illicit drugs. The rate of illicit drug use is the highest among ages 18 through 25. It's targeting our young. See, when, they're, when they get addicted to drugs at an early age, it can ruin their life for the future. It's hard for them to get out of it. Over 90% of those with an addiction begin drinking, smoking, or using illicit drugs before the age of 18. Binge drinking is common in men. 9.1% of men 12 and older binge drink. That's heavy drinking. 2.6% of women. Over 11% of Americans last year drove under the influence of something. 11%. That's over 30 million people. Out of 16.6 million people with alcohol, that, have, that are addicted to alcohol, 2.6 million were also dependent on some illicit, illegal drug. 
It's estimated over 95% of those who need treatment for alcoholism do not feel they need treatment. They feel like they can handle it. That's a lot with a lot of addictions. That you feel like you're not addicted. I'm not addicted to that. When my wife tells me I'm addicted to sugar, I say, get thee behind me, Satan. No, I'm not. (laughs) But I won't go into that. I am addicted, you know, to sugar, you know. And so you, you have to admit it. But when we talk about addictions, that's all we focus on is drug and alcohol. But there's more addictions. Did you know that? It's not just drug and alcohol. 78% of teens check their phones at least hourly. I believe that's higher. 69%, I'm not leaving the parents out here. 69% of parents do so. Check it hourly. I believe that's higher. How many of you guys would admit that you check your phones higher than hourly? You check your, yeah? My hand's up, by the way, okay? I'm, that's not... There's an addiction. 72% of teens feel they must respond immediately to texts and social networking messages. 48% of parents do. Teens and parents admit to sleeping with their phones, using them during meals and while others are present with them, and feeling anxiety when they are separated from their phones. You know, there was just a study that just came out about fear and anxiety. In fact, um, when you go out today, is this on the table? or is it? Okay, there's a table out, out there that has some peace declarations and scriptures because fear and anxiety has increased rapidly in the, final, in the last few years. I mean, increase. If, how, many, how many feel like that you are dealing more with fear and anxiety more now than you were 10 years ago? Raise your hand. I mean, I know I am. And, uh, and so there's, they, the world is catching on to this. It's not just us Christians. It's the world. It's all of us. And uh, even though in some ways the world is actually getting better in some areas uh, as far as wars and stuff like that. So what they did, they did a study on that and they figured out they, they believe they know why. It's because of technology. We are so connected that information is coming into our minds 24-7 that we have too much information and we can't handle the information. That you and I cannot handle all the stuff. I don't need to know what little Johnny does every day on, on Facebook. But for some reason, I want to know that. And so I'm going on Facebook, I'm going, and not just me, I'm talking about all of us. We're going on social media, we're looking at things, and we're seeing what people are doing. Not only are, it's not that they're doing anything bad, but we're, sometimes we feel neglected and we're not a part of that. So, so fear and anxiety can come in. Or we feel all this, this news, 24-7 news is coming to us over and over again. It's just, it's become the cause. They say, and I don't know how they get this, I believe it should be more, they say you need at least 16 minutes of nothing. That means you need to get out of your, your, your phones, you need to set them aside, and you need at least 16 minutes. I think you need hours. You know what? You need to get, you need to get out of the way and set everything down and get on a porch. You, need to, you know what? We just need to build porches on our houses anymore and get out there and just sit down and look at the trees. Amen? I had an uncle, man. He lives up, used to live, he, he's gone, passed away from the Lord. Just a wonderful uncle. 
And uh, he loved his porch. And I didn't understand that as a kid. Why did you just sitting out here looking at the creek? But he was so peaceful. I get it now. I want a porch and a creek. We need to separate those things. Because what's happening is it's making us confused. Have anxiety and fears. And it's controlling our lives. We are addicted to technology. We are addicted to things. And we have to admit it. Half of teens surveyed said they are addicted to their phones. The only reason that half, and there's probably 100% of them, the other half weren't admitting it. And more than a quarter, the parents are worse, they won't admit it either. More than a quarter of the parents admitted to addicted to their phones. Listen, if you always have to have your phone, and I'm preaching to me, don't look at me like that way, I know I'm preaching to me. Like last week, I was preaching about anger in the car. I have three fingers pointing back at me. If you feel like you have to have your phone, you're addicted to your phone. You're addicted to anything you have to have. You most likely are addicted to phone. I know sometimes you use your phone for things. I use my phone for, for, for what I do. I understand that, but not as much as I, I use it. Most people are addicted to something. That's why I said last week, you may not think you're addicted, but most likely you are. You're addicted to something, whether it's substance, whether it's food, whether it's social media, TV, lust, people. You can be addicted to people, always wanting people to like you. That's an addiction. Fear and worry. There's a giant of everyday addictions. Turn to Romans chapter 7. Let me show you something what Paul says here. There's a giant and we need to get it out of our lives. In fact, a lot of the giants that we've talked about in your life become addictions to you. Verse 15, Romans chapter 7, verse 15. Look what Paul says. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do. How many of you guys ever felt like that? I don't know why I do the things I really don't want to do. He says in verse 19, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep doing. So Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, is saying here, I'm doing evil. I don't want to do evil. But why do I do it? And look at verse 21. He says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For my inner being. Now your inner being is your spirit man. Remember, you are three parts as a person. You are a spirit, right? That's who you really are. You are a spirit. When you get born again, when you give your life to Jesus, like some of you just did today, when you give your life to Jesus what becomes perfect is who's inside of you. Your spirit man becomes perfect. Your spirit man is perfect. It's holy. It's righteous. It's just. When you die and go to heaven or Jesus comes back, this flesh is gone. You're going to get a new flesh. Amen? You're going to get that, that six-pack abs. Amen? You're going to rip open your shirt and go to heaven. Amen? Amen? And you had nothing to do with it. You know? And... uh here you have something to do with it, but there you had nothing to do with it. You get that, you know? I, I don't. I, I don't know if that's completely scriptural, but I, that's my dream. Anyway, 
So your inner man is what gets saved. Your inner man is the spirit man. That's what gets saved. So Paul says, for in my inner man being, I delight in God's law. So your inner man loves the law of God. It loves the word of God. It wants to be like Jesus. In fact, it is like Jesus. But you have two other parts. You have your, your, your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotion. It didn't get saved. In fact, in fact, the Bible tells us that we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean that you, are, you have to work to be saved. That means you have to change your thinking, change your mind, change the way you think. You know, like Romans 12, 1 says, don't, don't conform to the thinking of this world, of this age, of, of the way it thinks and conform to that. You've got to change it by the renewing of your mind, right? And so, so that has to be renewed every single day. And you have a flesh. Your flesh is just stupid. It follows whatever, whatever it's told to do, right? And so your flesh does have desires, and some of those things need to be curved. But your fight is between your mind, your will, and emotions, and your spirit man. Your spirit man is supposed to rise up and be the lead of your life and tell its mind what to think and tell your body what to do, right? And so Paul says here, For in my inner being, my spirit man, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. So there's something inside of you trying to get you to sin. That's why he says, I don't know why I do the things I don't want to do, the evil that I want to do. He said, there's a war that's going on. And so you've got to understand, there is a war going on inside of you and I. There's a giant of everyday addictions. There's these giants that, haven't you, uh, that you've submitted to. See, we, we can submit to something else. We can submit to the law of God. We can make a choice. See, here, here's a definition of addiction. Addiction is a condition in which a person engages in use of a substance or a behavior for which the rewarding effects provide a compelling in, incentive. That means your addiction is giving you something that you enjoy. Now, it, may be, it only lasts for a little bit. You understand that, right? So if you're addicted to drugs, you know that the drugs only give you that high for a moment, and then there's a down part to that. And you have to, that's why addiction works, in a sense, that it works that it gets you addicted because you, you like the high, you like the reward, but you have to keep on doing it. So addiction is a condition in which a person engages in use of substance or in a behavior for which the rewarding effects provide a compelling incentive to repeat it to repeatedly pursue the behavior despite detrimental consequences. So you're going to keep on doing it because you like the reward even though the consequences are hurtful. So when people do that, you wonder why. Why are you doing that? You know you're hurting yourself. Well, there's, there's a reward that's, that's clouding their judgment. They, that's why they call it a disease of addiction because it is a disease. And you have to realize that. But guess what? You know, we all are addicted to something. All of us are enslaved to everyday addictions in some ways, cycles, substance, people, practices that don't work. We want to stop, but we can't in some ways. And here's the cycle of addiction. Look, turn to Romans, over to Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Look at this. Here's Paul says, Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin that leads to death or to obedience which leads to righteousness. So he's saying there you have a choice. 
Even in your addictions, you have a choice to make. To be a slave to the sin, the addiction, or the good things of God. Verse 17, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart, your spirit man, the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So you're going to be a slave to something. You're going to be a slave to something bad or something good. Verse 19, I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations, just as you used to offer yourselves to slaves, to impurity, and to an ever-increasing wickedness. So now, your choice, offer yourself as slaves to righteousness, which leads to holiness. When you are slaves to sin, you are free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? He's saying there is no benefit. Those resulted in death. But now that you have been set free from sin, you understand Jesus has set us free from sin. He has actually set us free from addiction. You have been, become slaves of God. The benefit becoming a slave from God, for God is you, re, you reap what you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. Now let me, let me, let me just shorten that all up to this statement. The more you say yes to something, the more power it has over you. The more you say no to something, the less power it has over you. The more you say yes to your addiction, the more power it has over you. The more you say no to your addiction, the less it has power for you. Let's let's turn it over to God. The more you say yes to God, the more power he has over you, right? The more you say no to him, the less power. So the more I read the Word and say yes to the Word of God, the more the Word is going to be active and powerful in my life. The more less I say Act, uh, yes to the, to the word or no to the word, the less is going to have act, active power in my life. And here's a cycle of addiction. Show that, that uh, on, upon the screen. This is a cycle of addiction. And we all get in this cycle. There's a trigger. There's a trigger that happens. There's a need that you feel like you need in your life, whether it's a real need or it's not a good need. So it could be a need of the Word of God. That's, that's a good cycle, right? That's a good addiction. Being addicted to the Word of God, right? You can't get enough of the Word. You can't get enough of God. So that's a need. That's a real need. That's a trigger. And then the response would be, if it's the Word of God, I'm going to read the Word and I'm going to study the Word. And the benefits and the reward of that is the blessing of God on my life, right? In every part of my life. But what if it's a, it's a bad need? What if, what if the trigger is not a, it's not a real need? Like, let me go and do, go a little personal with you. What if in my life the trigger is I have a sweet tooth? So I like sugar. Do I need sugar? Now I'm not talking... You were in first service. Why are you coming to second service? Do, do you just love my preaching that much? Lisa, what are you doing? Anyway... Um, where was I? Anyway, sugar. Do I need sugar? No. No, I mean, I'm not talking about the sugar that comes naturally in fruit. I'm talking about the white sugar that doesn't come really naturally. The processed sugar. I love processed sugar. I love, I have an addiction to candy bars. It's the lie of Satan. That's right. So there's a trigger. There's a trigger. And that's my sweet tooth. I, I, I feel like I, I don't need it. It's not a real need. 
But there's, here's the response. What I'm going to do, I'm going to go to my secret stash. <laughs> don't look at me like that. You guys have secret stashes, don't you? I'm going to go to find my candy bar, my, my sugar, and I'm going to eat it. And, and there's a reward, of, and it's short-lived. There's a reward. See, my brain then becomes dependent on my eating, my rituals. Your brain becomes dependent on the rituals that you do, whether that's drugs, whether it's good things, the Word of God. It becomes dependent on that where the reward becomes the trigger. So in a drug use, the reward is the high, and it clouds everything else even though it's short-lived because they don't look at the, re- the reward actually being the circumstances, the long the lifelong things that are happening. They look at that small benefit, the small benefit of how good a good, you know, Mr. Goodbar is, you know, amen? Don't, don't look at me like that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm stepping on your toes. But anyway, that good cupcake, you know, whatever it is. The cycle comes in and the reward becomes the trigger. The cycle is a need. It serves a purpose. Or we wouldn't repeat it. If you didn't get something out of it, you wouldn't do it again. But there's, it's a danger in that. Over time, this is what happens with this cycle, trigger, response, re- reward. It becomes so hardwired in our brain that it becomes part of our life. Where we just do it over and over again and the benefits aren't good. That's a cycle of addiction and it keeps on. Where you don't have to think about it. So we need to develop practices and routines or rituals or whatever that break the cycle of our our cravings see the more you say yes to something the more power it has over you the more you say no to something the less power it has over you you got to say no to some things you got to say yes to some things there are good addictions but there's also bad addictions and the goliath of addiction will fall today because you're going to make a choice to break Every cycle of this everyday addiction, no matter what it is in your life. And how do you do that? Number one, you have to, in order to overcome addiction, you have to first admit that you have a problem with it and that it is sin. See, you've got to realize that it is sin. These addictions are coming between probably you and God in some way. But you first have to recognize it. Do you have an addiction? You know, I, I make light of, of a sugar addiction, but it is dangerous. Diabetes is, 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 uh, is people are, are getting, especially type 2 diabetes, just because of their addiction to sugar. And listen, God has you on this earth for a purpose. And you need to take care of your body. And I'm preaching to me, I understand that. But we need to take care of our bodies. Because you're no good to God dead here on this earth. That's good preaching, Sean. (laughs) I'm just being honest with you. And listen, I'm preaching to me. You know, I don't like it. I I really don't like it when when Lisa tells me I have have an addiction to sugar. I I do. I want to say, get behind me, Satan. But, you know, you don't want to, you know, she's part Hispanic and she'll just go all all over. She'll go Ricky Ricardo all over you, you know. And uh, I don't don't want that, you know. And so... um, but it's true. I, I, I do. I have an addiction to sugar, and I can't afford that. 
in my life, and especially in my health, I can't do that. Did you know that cancer feeds off of sugar? You know, they have a new, new way of, 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 in some ways, of treating some forms of cancer where they shoot um, um, uh, chemo, the, the, the drugs, into, uh, sh- into sugar, and they release it into your bloodstream, and the cancer cells attack the sugar and die because there's, there's chemo in it. Sugar is terrible. And so I make light of that, but, you know, you, you, God wants you live. He wants you strong, amen? I don't know why I'm getting on that, but I think some of us need to hear that, that those addictions of food. And see, if you say yes to sugar, you're going to continue to like it. It's going to have control over you. It's an addiction. But if you begin to say no to sugar and yes to to vegetables, Did you know you can actually like those things? I didn't know that. You, and the more I say yes to it, the more I actually like it. But in heaven, we're going to eat better eat sugar all we want. It's not going to cause any harm. I already talked to God about that. But anyway, but you have to admit that you have a problem. James 5.16 says, Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Admit that you have a problem. Find out what are you addicted to. And it can be. If you have a problem with fear, you could be addicted to it. Just, oh, how can I be, someone be addicted to fear and worry? Because you train your body. You train your mind to say yes to those thoughts every single day. Where you will feel bad about not being afraid and about worrying you think you have to worry it's an addiction number two i've got to hurry i'm 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 running behind number two learn to look to god first and most for everything so you admit it and then you run to god see the problem is is that we need to lower our god threshold and what I mean by that is that we need to stop looking toward everything else and then figure everything else doesn't work oh i guess i need to pray Listen, God can use other things, and He uses other things to help you in your addiction, in your troubles, in your problems. But run to Him first and let Him lead you to those things, if you even need it. My dad smoked all his life until he got saved. He smoked from from early on and smoked packets and packets every day. I mean, I never, growing up, I never knew my dad not having a cigarette in his hand. He always had a cigarette. He was always had one. And then one day he was at a meeting. He got saved. Someone wanted him to go to this meeting. And he went to the meeting. He just got hungry for the Lord, but he was smoking. But he didn't want to let the guy know that he smoked because he thought it was very sinful. And the only thing is sinful is because it kills you. Right? And so he was going down this meeting, and this old lady comes up to him, and she has his finger and puts his finger, doesn't know my dad from Adam, they're in a different state, doesn't know him at all, and says, you smoke. And in the name of Jesus, you will never smoke again. My dad never smoked again from that time forward. Amen? 
I believe that can happen to any addiction. Amen? I believe that can happen. Now, there may, it may happen to you like that, and it may not, but you will be set free because He's already set you free. You can be free because you can look to God first. Go to God first. See, all addictive cycles really start with idolatry. Exodus 23 in, in the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. It's all about idolatry. It's all about putting something before God. A, a person, a substance, or a, or a thing before God. The Bible says in Matthew 7, 7, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks the door will be opened. Listen, just run to God first. Let Him be the one. Amen? So admit that you have a problem and then, and then run to God. Make, make God the first thing and the most thing that you do. Number three, you need to identify the need, the fear. What is the root issue behind your addiction? In fact, Psychology Magazine had, a, had an article about this, that fear is behind most addictions. Fear is an emotion that drives addictions and stops you from being free. Overcoming fear is one of the biggest challenges for people with the disease of addiction. Because you're afraid of what will miss out. But take that step back and say, why am I doing this? Why do I have to, I feel a need that I have to look at my phone today? Why, do I, why am I eating this or drinking this or taking this? What's the reason, reasoning behind my addiction? Once you recognize it, ask the Lord to show you what's the need. Identify it. Take a step back and look at your everyday addiction. Why am I triggered to do this? Is it fear? Is it worry? Is it thinking that I need something more? God God is all all you need. You know that, right? Why is this happening? And number four, don't give up until you walk in freedom. Amen. Freedom's already been provided for you. But don't give up until you walk in that freedom. Don't stop. Make a quality decision that you're going to do whatever is necessary to be free from this ungodly behavior. I applaud everyone who has been addicted to drug or alcohol. I applaud them when they say, I'm going to rehab. That is not something sad. That's not, not something to feel bad about. That's feel ashamed about. I applaud you because that's a hard decision to make. Amen? Give those who have done that a clap. Amen? That is needed. That takes courage to ask for help and say, I can't do this alone. Thank you, Jesus, for that. You make a quality decision. No matter what it takes, I'm going to do that. That's why James 4, 7, Therefore submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You need to resist. You need to submit yourself first to God. How did I do that? You ask forgiveness. Say, God, I, I admit I have this and I'm sorry. Thank you for forgiving me. You get to your, the Bible and start finding scriptures and, and get yourself cleansed. And the Bible says in Ephesians 5, 26, that He might sanctify you and cleanse you with the washing of water by the Word. That's how you submit to God. 
You submit to God by listening to faith-building messages. Find messages online that you can listen to. In fact, you need yourself to have your own message. You need to learn to preach to yourself. I do it all the time. I preach to myself. You need to learn a message. If you're dealing with fear, go to 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. There's your three-point sermon right there. Preach to yourself the Word of God. Speak it over. If you're dealing with thoughts of inadequacy, that I'm no good, preach to yourself that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a child of God. You're dealing with people issues where where you feel like you want people to like you. You don't need anybody to like you. You have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who gave his life for you, who loves you even before you were saved. Amen. Preach to yourself. Fast and pray for deliverance. You need to fast and pray. Give up some things. Maybe if you're addicted to social media, cut it out. You do not need social media. Unless you have a business and you need to do something, just do advertisement, that's all you need to do. You don't need to be on social media. It's not wrong to be on social media, but if you're addicted to it, it's wrong. Replace it with reading the Word and worship. Take control of your thoughts with the next thing. By casting down every thought and every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, 2 Corinthians 10.5. You, don't, you can't afford to have one thought that's not of God in your mind. Kick it out. Confess out loud the promises of God over yourself. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. So true. Confess the word of God over you over and over again. I am not addicted to that. I am set free in Jesus' name. That does not have control over me. God, you have control over me. You are my God, my Savior, my Lord, my King. You have every right over my life. I give you control. Nothing else has control over me in Jesus' name. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am free because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Get some confessions, start writing them down and confessing them out of your mouth every single day. Amen? Confess it. Keep your joy level strong. In Nehemiah 8.10, when, when they were building the wall, said, then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet drink, and send portions to those who, for whom nothing is prepared. For this, is the day, for this day is holy to the Lord. Do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do, do not let the joy of the Lord go. When you wake up in the morning and you don't feel joy, especially on a rainy day like this, and you don't want to get up and you, you need to stand up and say, no! Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. I'm getting a little excited. No! The joy of the Lord is my strength and this day the Lord has made and I will rejoice in it. You speak it out and be full of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18. Do not be drunk with wine, for that is reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in 
psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled. It's not a one-time thing. It is an everyday, every moment of everyday thing that you get filled with the Holy Spirit. They say, God, I need more of you in Jesus' name. Start drinking from that well by worshiping and thanking him. In the month of November, we're going to be doing communion every Sunday. We're going to ask you to do communion every single day. We want you to be thankful. You know, complaining is an addiction. We need to get out. Complaining never does anything good. It leads to ungodliness, the Bible says. But thanksgiving is godliness. Being thankful. Amen? Being thankful. I have some more on my list. I don't have time to go over it. If you email me, I'll email you my notes. It's time that the Goliath of addiction must fall. Listen to this. Philippians 2.13 For God is working in you, giving you the desires and the power to do what pleases Him. Amen. You guys ready for that? Amen. Let's, let's, let's have the giants of addictions to fall right now.